Sport. Grandstand cricket. There you go. That's it for the day. You can hear the bales. And that is Stumps. This is Grandstand at Stumps. On ABC Radio. ABC Sport Digital. And take us with you on the ABC Listen app. Yes, welcome to Grandstand at Stumps. No need to be on the field of play today because of the rain. Players left the field on day two of the third men's test between Australia and Pakistan at 2.22 in the afternoon for bad light. The lights were on, but they took a reading, the umpires, Richard Ellingworth and Michael Goff, and the players, it seems, almost reluctantly left the field, and you were left with the feeling in a very gloomy Sydney afternoon that they would not be back, and then they took an early tea. After tea, it started to rain. It was that annoying Sydney test match, very, very light mizzle uh, coming down, and it was enough to see an inspection at 4.45 local time, and play was officially called off for the day. With Australia having resumed at none for six, with Dave Warner having had those runs last night, they are two for 116, trailing Pakistan on the first innings by 197 runs, but with those eight wickets in hand, and the wickets to four will get to very shortly with Dave Warner and Usman Khawaja. Uh, Warner making 34 and Usman Khawaja 47. I'm Andrew Moore alongside Stuart Clark, Glenn McGrath and Alison Mitchell as we look back on the day and some other cricket issues going around. Stewie, welcome to Grandstand at Stumps. What a disappointing end to the day after a, a really promising start to this test. It certainly was and unfortunately the rain... Well, the darkness, whatever you want to say, has come over the ground and it cost uh, all the fans, the spectators, everyone in the ground here a chance to see what was shaping as a pretty good day of cricket. Pakistan had tried and they'd bowled well, bowled well in partnerships. Jamal, I thought he bowled really bowled at the stump, said he was going to do it last night, did it this morning. Ali, probably not so much. But the Australians, they, they made them struggle and that's what we wanted. We wanted to see a contest bat v ball and we got that. Unfortunately, as you said, Andrew, it got cut short, but... The game's poised very nicely, two for 116. Both teams, if they can get some early wickets, great. And if Australia can post a decent total, well, yeah, the, the game, you know, it's, it's not it's going somewhere. Alison Mitchell, good to see you, Ali. One of the, the big talking points of this test, Dave Warner. And when he came out to bat last night, is it his last test innings? Now, weather permitting, it's shaping up that he may get two innings. He was very disappointed to get out for 34 to the spin of Salmon in his first over. Pakistan actually took a catch in the slips, although it nearly slipped out for uh, Bubba Azam. He went for 34. He looked so disappointing. He got a standing O from the crowd. Good news is he might get a second crack. Yeah, he'll, he'll really hope so because I'm sure he wanted a, a, a bigger fairy tale ending. And he'll say really the fairy tale of him will be finishing with a 3-0 series win and the team. But you know, personally, I'm sure he'd want to walk out having got at least a 50 under his belt in his final test innings he really looked downcast as he walked back to the pavilion but he still got you know wonderful reception when he came off the field uh, which um, allied to the wonderful reception he got when he walked out to bat on the first night and the guard of honor shown to him by the Pakistan team but they were absolutely cock-a-hoop to see the back of him for just 34 particularly because he'd had such a big let off when he was on 20 and when Jamal missed out on taking that wicket and the catch that went to the 21-year-old the debutant, Saeem Ayub at slip, who should never have been in the slips because he was there because Salman, uh, Salman had gone off the field. Imam was on as a substitute and the slip cordon all changed around. But it was an absolute dolly of a catch. And you just thought, oh, how many runs is this going to cost Pakistan after so many dropped catches throughout yeah. the series so far? So, yes, Baba in particular clinging on was absolutely delighted that they got him for just 34. Glenn McGrath is joining us on Grandstand at Stumps. Glenn, frustrating because yesterday was exhilarating, the way the run rate was 
uh, smoking along and Australia were taking wickets regularly. We saw that great 86 run stand in the, for the 10th wicket and um, Amar Jamil, uh, Jamal uh, getting that 82 runs with, with four massive sixes to, to make Pakistan score competitive. Today wasn't like that, but it was a tough, grinding day of test cricket in the making, wasn't it? No, you're right. And it, it sort of chopped and changed yesterday with uh, looking like Australia looking like they were going to bowl Pakistan out for 150, then Pakistan fought back. And 313, you think, is that enough runs really on this pitch out here? But Australia made it look hard work today. Um, you know, I think Pakistan bowled well. Didn't bowl out of their skins, but they bowled well. But I just thought the lack of intent from Australia, Uzi, uh, Manus, they didn't really go out there and look to you know, try to turn the strike over and force, put the pressure back on the Pakistanis. So whether that's the pitch itself or whether they're just they're looking to get the shine off the new ball and, and wait till it got a little bit softer, because yesterday Mitchell Marsh was saying once the ball got soft, it was hard to take wickets. So... Not sure what, what their thinking was, but... Uh, and then, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those games. They're still 200 runs behind. Yeah. You know, if Pakistan come out and get some early wickets, they could really put some pressure on Australia here. And if this pitch, I think it's going to deteriorate. It looks like it's going to turn. It's drying out. To bat last on this pitch, uh, you just never know. Pakistan might feel they're a big chance. Unfortunately, every year recently at this ground, we start talking about ruse for the SCG. <laughs> we start talking about... You know, bad light. Does Test cricket get in its own road? Now, Glenn, uh, you and I were on air when they left the field at 22 yeah. past two, and I threw this to you. I don't know this has been discussed often in the past, but I, I want to take it around the grounds. I would love to see, and I don't see a valid argument now against bringing in a pink ball when mm. it gets dark. Now, maybe because of uh, this being a pink test and pink advertising hoardings, maybe that counts against it here. But bring a pink ball in to allow play to continue... Um, rather than if a, a red ball, you can't do it because it gets too dark. You can with a pink ball. Why not? What What are your all thoughts, Glenn? We'll start with you. Oh, I think it's got potential. There's no doubt about it. It's about moving the game forward. And, you know, we had 25-odd thousand people here who sat around and no rain and thought we could have had a game. So whatever it takes to get the game moving, I know the batsman will carry on and whinge a bit about, oh, it's, it's tougher, it's, you know, it's going to do a little bit more or something like that. But... Yeah, if it keeps the game moving forward, some you're going to win, some you're going to lose, and uh, it balances out in the end. And, yeah, when it's, when it's not raining, we should be playing cricket. I always hear one of the greatest arguments against doing this is the fact that the, the ball will do too much. It will change. It's not the same as the red ball, which, which it isn't. But we've already had scenarios in Test cricket where the red ball is changed. Let's get back to the oval, end of the ashes, when the ball was changed and that started doing things. That wasn't a change from a red ball to a pink ball. That was just a ball change, red ball to red ball. It that was, was contentious. 37 over ball changed to a ball that was two over ball. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that, that was the issue with that one. But, well, <laughs> same thing would apply though, wouldn't yeah. it? You get a box of pink balls of a similar age that the umpires will then choose from and seek to determine a ball that is going to be similar to you know, Red Bull, but the idea is just get, get on with it, be able to continue the game. And if batters need a bit of time to get their eye in and get used to the colour, then perhaps a bit like in tennis, when the roof comes over at Wimbledon and players are allowed some warm-up time to get used to the atmosphere, then give the players a, a designated period of time to go back out to the middle do or out the back in the nets, whatever, get the eye in and, and just get on with it. I'm uh, yeah, I just think we use the pink ball all the time. I, I've had enough of game's been called off for bad light. We've got a ball that works under lights. Use it 
if you don't want to use it. Or get a, rid of the Red Bull altogether. Get rid of it. Just so just all day-night tests, don't worry about it. No, no, just play with the pink ball during the day. What's the difference? Yeah. And just then if the light fades, if the light fades we can just keep playing. Put the lights uh, on. The other option is stop going off when it's not that dark and just play with the Red Bull. Let, uh, like, harden was it, up. It was, it was a bit of harden up for me. There's <laughs> a bit of harden up. Like, it's not pitch black out there. The, the argument I keep hearing is the fielders can't see the ball yeah. as opposed to the batters. But we've made side screens really big. We've put numbers on the back of shirts. We've, we're changing the game. So this idea that this traditional game should stay the same, and it, it's not that game anymore. It's not the game that Bradman played. Yeah. It doesn't exist anymore. It's a game. It's built for entertainment. It's and built it's holding for on for dear life. And, and, and that's what I was going to get to. The, it is yeah. absolutely holding on for dear life. And there's an SMS that's come. There was numerous SMSs that came in that it gets in the way of itself. 100% it does. The traditional laws of the game. The game is still the game. It is a game now built for the spectators. It is built for TV. It is built for... And yes, the traditional part and the historical records still stand. But unless we find a way for the game to continue... Well, it's going to die. Let's be honest. That's just what's going to happen. And we can keep being wax lyrical about it and keep saying, oh, we don't want it to die and the players and this and that. Game gets in the way of itself. Yeah. There's yep. been so many changes. Sorry, Glenn. There's mm. been so many changes in, in cricket throughout the ages that nothing is consistent. And even if, if you look at, you know, say, James Anderson's record, like he's taken all those wickets with the red ball and perhaps he might say, oh, you know, if, if bowlers are now able to, they're playing every test match with a pink ball, well, you know, pink ball does heaps it's going to hoop more and they'll take so many more wickets and that's sort of not fair comparison then to those of us like you Glenn who took all your wickets with the red ball but you would have taken wickets with that red ball in so many varying conditions and Mm. varying places and times of day around the world that that everything is different in cricket anyway. No, you're right. And if we could use a Duke cricket ball, it would have taken a lot more wickets. <laughs> exactly. But, um, different types of ball already but, exist. But your great players are adaptable. They adapt to different conditions. And they should be able to adapt from red ball to pink ball. It's just another, you know, it's just another variation. Where do you stay? Like, uncovered wickets, covered wickets. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to compare eras. Like, you know, drop-in pitches. Yeah, drop-in drop pitches. pitches. Would Bradman be a good player today? Probably. JC Laker, did yeah. you see that pitch? You yeah. couldn't see the pitch for sawdust. Yeah, but apparently, it just it was hard to battle, yeah, as he suggested. <laughs> but see, one of the arguments, too, is that it changes the dynamic of what we're seeing out there. To me, that would be a fun element. Now, yeah, now you're brought, I agree. There's an idea that you've just you know, managed to bring to the table about just use the pink ball exclusively. I hadn't really thought of that too much because I like the idea, Ali, of them going off today, they bring a pink ball, whether they have a grace period to adjust. I'm not sure I would. If if you can get on there, play. We've now got a 38 over or 44 over um, pink ball. Let's go. And if that mixes up the conditions, if that produces more swing, more wickets, a a different style of play. And we already have that when we have a pink ball day-night test, don't we? Because we always talk about that twilight period and the final session, the ball will do more. And it's an exciting period. Declaration times change. Uh, It's a whole new thing. I'd love to see it. But the other thing today, I'm not sure... uh, Manus Lubbershane and, and Steve Smith really wanted to go off today. They didn't have an option. It's up to the umpires, yeah. so the batsmen don't even get a choice anymore either. Yeah. Well, back in the old days, it used to be, remember, the playing captains? and the, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you were in the head in the game, you wanted to stay out there. Yeah. And if you were behind in the game, you went, oh, no, I've got to go off. I can't Running see the off. ball. I can remember playing a Shield game here and the game finishing at 8.30 at night because it was the last game of the year. Both teams needed to win to make the final. Both teams still had a chance to win. It was pitch black. The sky was black. We played on, and the That's best because you were bowling. No, we were. I was batting. Oh, you batting. I was. I was straight to. I think from memory, I hit six off the last ball and didn't. But every time you hit it in the air, they couldn't see the ball. But we kept playing. 
So it can be done. And then another game here, again, a Shield game, where we were eight down. I was uh, batting 11. Wayne Holdsworth and Mark Taylor said to him, if they offer you the light, take it. They offered him the light. Cracker didn't take it, and he started slogging. <laughs> and when he and he smashed him and got a, got us close, and then he got out and he come up and Tubby's going, "What the hell were you doing?" He goes, "I thought you said if they offer light, see how you go, and then take it if you need it." <laughs> and so I walked out, and yeah, we were closer, but we're still too far away to go for a win. And they offered light, and I walked off, and they were all blowing up. And t- so Wayne Holdsworth did always <laughs> walk to his own beat, though. In, in fairness to Cracker. Um, Let's get to the, the wickets that did fall today. There are only two of them, Dave Warner and Usman Khawaja. This is how it happened. Salmon bowls. Warner gets an outside edge caught. Great catch at slip on this occasion. They've caught one. And Dave Warner is out. Salmon has thrown the wicket at Dave Warner. And the crowd just realising that Dave Warner in his final test match is out for 34. Jamal around the wicket to Kawaja, bangs it in short. He's got something on it, caught behind down the leg side, or is there? Well, Jamal oh. is appealing, the keeper has appealed, and this one is already making the signal for a review. There was, seemed to be a, a clear sound and a deflection, but what was it off? Anything else, and it's got yeah, the edge. Can you see that mark there? Hot spot on yeah, the glove. Yeah, the hot spot, you can I see it a little bit. Of... Out. And look at Jamal, he is clapping his hands together in glee because he's got Usman Khawaja, who is looking in good nick, 47 not out on the ground where he averages 130-odd, uh, and Khawaja is on his way. I was getting worried about Wakar there with that noise he was making. Uh, <laughs> with, with the commentator, he was really riding that hard. So they were the wickets to fall, but it was a potentially big moment when Dave Warner was on 20, he did get a legitimate nick, and this is what happened. Hassan Ali's bowling, and he's edging. He's caught, dropped, dropped. it slipped. Oh, my goodness, it was a soda. Absolute sitter, straight to slip. And Pakistan have dropped another one. He pushed at it. It went off the edge. It went straight into the buckets and out onto the floor. My goodness. Glenn McGrath. Alison Mitchell, Stewie Clark, I'm Andrew Moore, grandstand at Stumps. Glenn, as Ali mentioned earlier, it was a confluence of events that had the young bloke at, at slip, but their slip yep. catching in this series has been really poor, and it's cost them greatly. Not so much on this occasion, because yep. Warner only got another 14, but overall in this series, it's been costly. Well, first slip's been costly, hasn't it? it yes. uh, and those three catches they put down, I reckon I would have hung on to it. That's how easy they were. Oh, so, hang, hang on a sec. Well, easy. T- there's no such thing as an <laughs> easy catch, they say. But, yeah, they're regulation first slips catch catches. Uh, so, yeah, to the extent where, listening to your commentary, when Warner did get out, you were saying, oh, great catch, and it was just a regulation catch that they nearly spilt. They yeah. were now thinking any catches. I think it was <laughs> a shock that the catch was taken and slipped. But yeah, it, you know, it nearly popped out if you watch yeah, the replay. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like a little ice cream cone yeah. with the ice cream on top. It, it went, oh, I think he was shocked he caught it as well, Barbara. But, but, but you can't drop those catches. The three first slip catches they've dropped these last two games cost them. And sometimes I remember playing... The difference between the Australian team and the team we just beat was we hung on to all our catches. They dropped them. If they hung on two, they could have quite easily yeah. beaten us. Well, Stewie was just going through all the changes in the game. But the fact is, Ali, that has never changed. Catches win matches, and the reverse is true. Yep. No, that is is an adage, but it is absolutely ringing true. And Pakistan, 
all in all, the catching has not been good enough. We know that. But when is it going to improve? And, and it, it's sort of unfathomable as to why they're dropping so many catches. In a way, you can look towards the debutant. You can look for excuses by saying, well, he's on debut. There might have been some nerves there. But that was also a sitter of a catch. Funny enough, we were actually, he was practicing high catches, wasn't he? In yes. the outfield when yes. we were pre-play today. He held every one of those, but we're possibly not expecting to be standing at first slip. At least we know where he should be fielding. Um, out of the boundary. Um, there's nothing better, too, when you look as a bowler and you, you look up and you look at your slip cordon and your wicketkeeper and you think, if I get a nick here, they're going to, you know, you feel like, when you, you know, you look at some of the teams Glenn played in and, you know, when Ricky Ponting, Mark War, um, Shane Warne was a Mark great Taylor. Team, Mark Taylor. Um, yeah, Matty Hayden in the gully, you had a bit, Steve War, some of the guys that fielded, Michael Clark, great slip fielder. So when you knew if you got a nick, fair chance they're going to yeah. catch him. There's nothing worse than standing at time. And I played a couple of Shield games with some guys who I won't name that. You thought, oh, God, I hope he doesn't nick it to him. <laughs> wow. Especially, I tell you what the worst ones were, too. The guys that used to open the batting that, that couldn't really dif- differentiate between slip fitting. Because as soon as they were seven or eight down, they'd start thinking about batting. Yeah. So if you nicked it to them. They're not concentrating. They weren't even watching. Well, I was interested. During the broadcast on day two, Jim Maxwell was talking to Pakistan great Waka Yunus as part of our coverage. And to him, the most important slip fielder was the second slip. And Jim yeah. asked him who the best slip slipper was in his era, and he said, Inzamamal uh, Hark. He said he had great hands. If the ball was hit straight to him, he'd catch it. <laughs> yeah. Implying that he didn't have great yeah, not much inside. No, it, it had to go straight to him. All right, we've only got a few minutes to go. Uh, another issue, and, and maybe this is because, you know, three or four hours are lost on day two, but talk has been sweeping the SCG with the debate that's been going on for, for months now about who will replace Dave Warner as test opener as soon as the first test against the West Indies in a, in a week or two. Shane Watson, who made the transition from middle order or rounder to opener and did so very successfully, he suggested Steve Smith may be Australia's new opener. And I have no idea uh, how far this has gone, but I'm led to believe that there may have been discussions in this area within at least some members of the Australian cricket team, and it may have some legs. So, again, whether it's true, whether it's untrue, People have been talking about Cameron Green, the three that's been in the running, Renshaw, Harris, Bancroft. Stewie, where do you think this may end up? And do you like the idea of Steve Smith, who's never opened in a Shield game, Rick Finlay told me earlier? Look, sources close to the team. Is that what you're saying? Like a bit of a newspaper article? Well, I'm just saying that there's, close there's to been... Which team? Well, yes, Shane Watson said it should happen, and there's been a couple you know, of journos saying that they're hearing it, mate. Given he's got the technical ability to deal with it, he's been batted at three for Australia before he could do it. I, I don't think he will. Um, I think Marnus has probably more chance of getting to the top of the order. I think Steve, I think Travis Head's probably more chance of doing it. That said, if he had to do it, I don't think he'd have a drop. I don't think he'd have trouble doing it. But he's been arguably our best player in the last ten years. Why are we moving him from his spot three or four to open? I think that's a that's a that's a move a little bit too far. But then again, the world's changing, cricket's changing. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I, I, I'm, I'm not a fan. I don't think that's the right Steve thing to do. Steve Smith open, opening a daytime test against a pink ball. Yeah, happy day, yeah. <laughs> um, It was interesting, uh, Shane Watson's reasoning behind it. He said he th- thought uh, Steve Smith just didn't look, looked out of sorts this year, whether it's a bit stale, needs a, another challenge or something like that. So maybe that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, Steve Smith opens. Do you like um, it? Then Travis Head moves up one. Mitch Marsh, Cameron Green, you can get them both in the team, can't you? And I think that's what, I think that's what the selectors would actually like to do. It would so be pretty yeah. basic. You've got plenty of bowlers, you've got plenty of batsmen. I think Cameron Green looks at himself as a batting all-rounder. 
I'd say Mitch is probably Mitch Marsh, mm. probably nearly similar. Um, so yeah, you'd have no shortage of bowlers. Not that we have a shortage of bowlers. You know, we've got four bowlers out there can take twenty wickets. So the so yay or nay? Um, I'm not. I'm not against it. A little birdie told me that some other blokes probably not against it. Steve, Steve, Steve Smith, Smith might not be against mm. it. See, just there's, there's birdies all over just the joint here. They're tweeting away. What about you, birdies? Ali? Thumbs up or thumbs well, down? I, I wonder, do Australia want uh, an opener for the for the now and the next couple of years? Or would putting Steve Smith at the top or, or anyone sort of who's in that, you know, 30-plus age bracket. I mean, Labashain is what, 29 now. But Steve Smith and Kawaja at 36, you're just going to be faced with the same problem as to choosing another opener in maybe two or three years' time. Do you want to get in a an opener that can at least be there and be the mainstay for when Kawaja retires, you keep one of your openers in place. I mean, it, it's quite an exciting prospect, thinking, mm. seeing how Steve Smith might go at the top of the order, and then you get Cam Green back in at, you, know, you slot him in then at four. Um, and the but also, what, what, what does that yeah. say for, again, you, you feel for the likes of yeah. Anne Bancroft, who was churning out runs in the Sheffield Shield as a specialist opener. But, you know, cr- cricket is changing and test cricket changes, and we don't necessarily have specialist openers per se. The selling point could be your first chance would be against the West Indies at Adelaide Oval in the daytime test. With a, with a red ball. Tick with a red ball. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Ali, Glenn, Stewie. Um, thank you for listening. Play will start half an hour early tomorrow, 10 o'clock Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Our coverage to begin at 9.30 Australian Eastern Daylight Time. For day three, big day, Glenn, for you and, yep. and your family and for the McGrath Foundation, Jay McGrath Day. Yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's always a massive day, a uh, day of celebration. That's why I look at it without a doubt. That's what Jane would have wanted. Uh, my children are coming along. Unfortunately, James, my son, will not be here in the morning. He's got COVID. Oh, he's a, a little bit crook, so uh, unfortunately he'll uh, he'll be missing. He's really disappointed, as, as we all are. Holly and Madison uh, arrived down here this morning after their flight was cancelled yesterday, so they <laughs> finally made it. But it's going to be a big day when the players yep. come out uh, in the morning and, and give us their, their signed baggy pink caps in the afternoon. They'll uh, pass over their signed playing shirts. We've got the Jay McGraw High Tea, which is a very popular event. And I think it sells out <laughs> in a day when we, when we open it up and the Prime Minister's coming along to speak at that as well. So there's a fair bit happening. Um, I think I've found out I, I may be getting to the ground around about 6 o'clock. So, Excellent. Uh, it'll, uh, it'll keep me busy, keep me out of trouble, but it is a very exciting day and a, and a, a massive day on the calendar for, for myself and my family, for everyone at the Foundation. And, and listening to the players talk, uh, it's, it's actually a big day for them as well in this Test match. So that's, that means a lot to me too. All right. Well, I hope it's a very special day. I'm sure it will be. Let's hope we get heaps of cricket as well. Thank you for your company. On behalf of the voice of summer, Jim Maxwell, watch you. We've got to go. It's a crucial first hour. Ooh, <laughs> we better talk about that tomorrow not, morning. Not again. It's always a crucial first hour. Isn't That's grandstand and stumps. We're out of here. I'm Andrew Moore. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow morning.